0: One of the questions we receive the most is who are the two witnesses? Some believe it's Elijah and Enoch. Some say Elijah and Moses. Others teach that it's the Jewish Gentile church. But what does the Bible tell us about the identity of these two prophets of God? Join me as we look at the scriptures on this edition of End of the Age.
1: you're listening to an End of the Age replay.
0: Well, hello and welcome to End of the Age. It's Doug Norvell again here alone. Uh, Vince Stegall is still on leave with his wife and their brand new baby daughter, Rosie Ray, along with his two sons. He has Shiloh and he has Brady as well. And so uh, he's there with his family taking care of them, and uh, I'll get to see him today after the program. I'm going to run by there and see her for the first time myself, and so uh, I'll let him know how badly he's missed and how bad we want him to come back. So maybe he'll be back on Thursday, uh, but as for today, I will be solo. So got a, a good topic, I believe, because like I said, we talk to so many people about this subject and we get this question all the time about the identity of the two witnesses. So I think it'll be a great program today. We're going to go down through a lot of scripture. So if you're watching with me today, you may want to go and get you a notepad and a pen so that you can jot down some notes. Um, before we get started, though, let me make an announcement. Dave Robbins will be teaching a live prophecy conference in Kaufman, Texas. That's going to be May 19th. ...for the Kaufman First Church. It'll be facilitated at the Grace Fellowship Baptist Church... ...which is located at uh, 7650 Farm to Market Road, 1388, Kaufman Texas, 75142. Now, this is going to be different than a lot of our conferences. This will be on a Thursday night at 7 p.m., and it's only going to be for one night. So he'll be teaching... The Future According to Bible Prophecy. That's our brand new DVD that um, Dave has made. You're going to love this prophecy teaching. It's going to give you a timeline. It's going to tell you where we are and what to expect in the coming future. So each one of these conferences is unique. It'll include this powerful prophetic lesson. You're going to love to hear all this information Dave's got for you. Admission is free. There's no registration required, and seating is available on a first-come, first-served basis. The doors will open around an uh, hour in advance, so you want to be sure that you're going to be there uh, early enough that you can grab you a seat, get situated, and then go out and check out our resource tables, and you can even meet Dave's wife, Jana Robbins. Uh, so we would love for you to come out and join Dave there in Kaufman. And you can get more information by visiting intime.com slash events or you can give us a call at 1-800-363-8463. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. It's a great lesson. And those of you who have the DVD, uh, you already know how good this is. And hopefully we'll be able to have those brand new DVDs there at the table where you can purchase those and share that conference with other people. So anyway, looking for a great time there in Kaufman, Texas. Okay, so who are the two witnesses? So we have many different opinions on the two witnesses' identity. Like I said before, some believe that they're Elijah and Moses and Elijah and Enoch. Others say that they're uh, a symbol of the Jewish Gentile church. But we're going to look today at what the Bible has to say. And we're going to try to uncover this mystery of who these two men might be. All right. So we'll start in Revelation chapter 11 with verse 3. And it says, I will give power unto my two witnesses, and they shall prophesy a thousand, uh, I'm sorry, a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. A lot of people think that they're physically going to be dressed in sackcloth. That may or may not mean that. It may just mean that they're not uh, as well dressed as you think. When we think of sackcloth and why people did this in, uh, in the Bible, was it was a, a form of making yourself uncomfortable. Uh, sackcloth is very itchy. It's not nice to look at. And so it's just like you won't be attracted to what they're wearing at all. It's going to be something that you may not expect. So carrying on in, in uh, verse four, it says, These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, a fire proceedeth out of their mouth and devour their enemies. Now, that may or may not be a literal thing, too. We don't know for sure what's going to happen there. We just have the words of God to go by. But uh, a fire coming out of their mouth could just be the words that they're speaking or it could be that they could speak things on people. We don't know that for sure. So we're going to keep moving on here. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it will rain not in the days of their prophecy and have the power over the waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues as often as they will. And when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast that ascendeth out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies shall lay in the streets of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So there's a crucial clue there. It tells us that this is the city where our Lord was crucified. Even though it calls it Sodom and Egypt, it's talking about the city of Jerusalem. Okay, so these two witnesses will be in Jerusalem. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented them that dwelt on the earth. And after three days and a half, the Spirit of God entered into them and they stood up on their feet and great fear fell in them which saw them and they heard the great voice in heaven saying unto them, Come up hither and they ascended up into a cloud and their enemies beheld them. Now we're up against a break and so when we come back from the break we'll talk more about this. We'll get into it a little bit more but I want you to understand before I get down into uh, a little bit more of this information. These two gentlemen will be in Jerusalem. Okay, So we have to remember that and we have to understand what these clues have told us about this. The one that ascendeth from the pit is going to be the Antichrist and and his armies will make war against these two prophets. And they will kill them. They're going to lay in the street for three and a half days. And then they're going to hear that voice that calls them up into heaven. So as we get back from the break, we'll get into more detail about this. And we'll kind of break it down and look at the different teachings and why or why not it fits this scripture. So stay with me. I'll see you after the break.
2: Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to intimecom slash future or call 800 intime That's 800-363-8463.
3: Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you, and we love you.
1: What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near year. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call one 800 end Or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. You're listening to an End of the Age replay.
0: Welcome back to End of the Age. We appreciate you staying with us Uh, again today. My topic is uh, who are the two witnesses? And so before the break, we read through Revelation 11. Speaking of the two witnesses, also wanted to tell you uh, that the two witnesses uh, ministry will actually start after that temple's built because we see in Revelation chapter eleven one and 2, where John was told to measure the temple and the worshipers and the altar there, but measure not the outer court. It was trodden down by the Gentiles for 42 months. So then it goes into these two witnesses. So we believe that the um, temple will actually be built Uh, that it will be, uh, that's the first three and a half years. And then in the last three and a half years, after the abomination of desolation, or maybe their appearance will correlate with the abomination of desolation, but they will have the ministry that last half of that final seven years. So I just wanted to kind of make that clear too. Uh, We see that in Revelation uh, chapter 11, verse 1 and 2, the temple's built. It's there for three and a half years. And then we see the 42 months of the uh, two witnesses start. So uh, before we went to the break, we uh, talked about the two olive trees and the two candlesticks there in that passage. So I want to kind of break that down and look at it because the two olive trees and two candlesticks, some teach that this is a representation of the Jewish Gentile church, okay? In Revelation chapter 7, verse 4 through 17, we're told that that's going to be 144,000 Jewish believers. That's 12,000 from each tribe, from all 12 tribes. And also a great multitude that no one can count. So first of all, before we get into this, I want you to think about that for a minute. The scripture says that they're going to be killed and they're going to lay in the streets of Jerusalem for three and a half days. That's a lot of dead bodies laying in the street, folks. And how did everyone get to Jerusalem? So how did the 144,000 and the great multitude all make it to Jerusalem and they're there just to die? This doesn't add up. Um, And God says himself in Zechariah that these are the two anointed ones, not a great multitude, not 144,000, the two anointed. Anointed ones. So from that teaching from Zechariah chapter 4 is where uh, we get a little bit of understanding of why they teach that it could be a Jewish Gentile church. And I want to look at that and then I want to kind of break it down. So Zechariah 4, I'm going to start with verse 1, but then we're going to uh, skip down. So verse 1, and the angel that talked with me came again and waked me as a man that waketh out of his sleep and said unto me what seest thou and i said i have looked and behold a candlestick all of gold with a bowl upon the top of it and his seven lamps thereon and the seven pipes to the seven lamps which are upon the top thereof and the two olive trees by it one upon the right side of the bow and the other upon the left side thereof so I answered and spake to the angel that talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? So we're going to skip to Zechariah four eleven, same chapter, skipping down to verse 11. Then answered I and said unto him, What are these two olive trees upon the right side of the candlestick and upon the left thereof? And I answered again and said unto him, What be these two olive branches, which through the two golden pipes empty the golden oil out of themselves? And he answered me and said, Knowest thou not what these be? And I said, No, my Lord. Then he said, These are the two anointed ones that stand by the Lord of the whole earth. Okay, there's your two anointed ones that the Lord says. All right, now, consider this for a second, and just follow me here as i as I talk about this and think about it in your own mind and see what you think okay, so consider this olive trees are where we get olive oil. The olive oil is what is used to fill the lamps so that the candles can burn okay if you 've ever been to israel you 'll see the lamps that they sell, like the old lamps that they had uh, they 're just little. Uh, lamps that they pour the oil in and then they have like a wick sticking in there and they light that and that oil keeps that flame burning, okay? So they use olive oil in these little lamps. Well, this is talking about having a lamp stand, talks about having seven. So I, I want to just kind of break down some scripture here. So in Exodus 27, verse 20, we're told, and thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure oil olive beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. So there we see that Israel is told that to use the olive oil for that, okay? Now notice in Zechariah 4:12 it says the olive branches pour golden oil out of themselves. The pipes feed into the candles. Okay? Candlesticks are symbolic of the churches in Revelation chapter 1. Y'all remember this when we've done the Revelation commentary and we've talked about this. Revelation chapter 1 says, verse 20, The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand and the seven golden candlesticks. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven candlesticks which thou sawest are the seven churches. So symbolically here we have a picture that these two witnesses are olive trees are pouring into the candlesticks or the churches, okay? Filling them with truth and light. So so think about that just for a second. Uh, let that kind of get into you and Check those scriptures out. This is why I was saying you might want to get you a pad and a pen before I start because I want you to go back and I want you to look at these scriptures that I've given you today and I want you to kind of break that down for yourself so you see that. Okay. So I don't believe that they're going to be a Jewish Gentile church based on that scripture. I believe there's going to be two of these men. that are anointed by God. Okay. So now let's look at the power of the two. Okay. So the Bible says the power of the, the, these two will have leads people to believe that it is Moses and Elijah. They will have power to stop the rain, to turn water to blood, and to release plagues. Okay? So Moses did this in the book of Exodus, uh, starting in chapter 7 all the way to chapter 12. You can see that there were ten plagues of Egypt. And in 1 Kings 17 through 19, it tells the story of Elijah shutting up the rains from heaven. This is also what the Bible says these two witnesses will do. Okay? So that's why a lot of people believe that it could be Elijah and Moses. All right? But remember, the two witnesses will be killed at the end of their ministry. Okay? We know Elijah was taken up to heaven in a whirlwind. And he never died. Okay, this is found in Second Kings chapter two. I'm going to read from verse 11. And it came to pass as they still went on and talked that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. Okay, so you remember that story. Elijah went with Elijah. They went up. Uh, they crossed over the Jordan. Elijah waited um, and he told Elisha that if he witnessed what would happen to him, he would receive the double portion that he wanted. Well, Elijah goes up in a whirlwind uh, and Elijah picks up his mantle, walks back over to the Jordan, slaps it down on the Jordan and says, where is the God of Elijah? And God separated the waters again and Elijah walked across. They had done this on the way over. And Elijah parted the waters and walked across there. And then Elisha did the same thing. People who were mocking him that were watching on, they saw that happen. And they were like, oh, man, he did receive what God promised. So so that's the story there uh, in a nutshell. He was taken up in a whirlwind into heaven. But Moses, he did indeed die. And God buried him. And we find this information in Deuteronomy chapter 34, Starting with verse 5, it says, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley, meaning the Lord buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Bethlehem. But no man knoweth the uh, sepulcher unto this day. This would rule Moses out because the scripture says that um, he died. Okay, And Hebrews uh, tells us that it is appointed once unto man to die, but after this, the judgment. That's found in Hebrews 9.27. So it's appointed once for man to die. If Moses died, that rules him out. He's not a witness. Okay, So others say that, okay, it'll be Elijah and Enoch because these two never saw death. Well, let's look at what Scripture tells us, what we already talked about Elijah, so let's talk about Enoch for a minute. Genesis tells us this, Genesis 5, 24, and Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. We get a little bit more information in Hebrews 11, verse 5, it says, by faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. So the word translated that's used there in the King James is I'm going to try to say this without butchering it (laughs) metha It means to transfer. Literally, to transport. By implication, exchange sides or figuratively carry over, change, remove, translate, turn. Okay, so we know that Elijah, along with Moses, was on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew 17. I'm going to start with verse 1 here and read that. And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as white as light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Okay, so the word transfiguration in the King James is uh, metamorpho. And this means transform, literally or figuratively, to metamorphose, change, or transfigure, or transform. So we have these two different things that are telling us that these men were transformed. Uh, into something else okay both of those mean the same thing changing into something else so now we can understand that these men have been changed okay they've been changed from a physical form to a spiritual form much in the same way that we will be at the second coming of Jesus and the rapture so folks I want you to think about that for a second okay if these two gentlemen that a lot of people say, well, they never saw death, so they could be these two witnesses. But they maybe they didn't see death, but they were transformed from a physical form to a spiritual form. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15 now because it gives us some really good information that we need to look at and understand this. Okay, Now, this is... I say, this is starting in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So, did you hear what I just said? Flesh and blood cannot, according to the Bible, inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. So, verse 51 says, Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we will be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So this passage above tells us that it's impossible for flesh and blood to inherit the kingdom of God. So we can understand why we need to be changed into spiritual bodies like Jesus had. This also rules out Elijah and Enoch from being one of the two witnesses because the two witnesses will be mortal, physical beings. They will die at the end of their ministry. They will taste death, and the Antichrist will kill them. Okay, so right now I just want you to kind of stop and let all that sink in because I've given you a lot of information already. Now, we're going to be moving quickly after we come back from the break here in a minute. And we're going to be jumping into uh, the prophecy of Elijah coming before Jesus. So um, the, the important thing to remember right now is Moses is ruled out because he died. And we know that from Scripture. It says Jesus or the Lord buried Moses in Moab. Nobody knows where he's buried. Then we have Elijah who was taken up in a whirlwind. And then we have Enoch who was translated and so physically they're no longer they no longer have a physical body okay so these two witnesses will have to be mortal man they'll have to have physical bodies and then they're going to be killed okay so just keep that in mind bear in mind all the things we've talked about up to this point and then when we come back in a few minutes we'll talk more about it and we'll jump into uh, the prophecy of Elijah coming before Jesus So, stay with me. I'll see you after the break.
2: Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies, end time events are happening around the world every day. Or go to endtime.com.
1: If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. You're listening to an End of the Age replay.
0: Welcome back to End of the Age I'm Doug Norvell, uh, once again going solo this week. Uh, mentioned at the top of the hour that Vince is still at home with his wife who is recovering from uh, having their baby girl. Now they have three children, two boys and this beautiful baby girl. Um, and so also I wanted to mention before I move on that uh, Dave is going to be doing a prophecy conference in Kaufman, Texas. That is going to uh, be at Kaufman First Church at the Grace Fellowship uh, Baptist Church is going to facilitate this event. It'll be at uh, 7650 FM Road, 1388, Kaufman, Texas, 75142. Uh, this is on a Thursday night. It'll be May 19th at 7 o'clock, and it will be The Future According to Bible Prophecy. So you want to get there early, get you a good seat, and come out and hear Dave teach that on that Thursday night, May 19th at 7 p.m. So please join us there for that. And um, I'd like to go ahead and just jump right back into this Bible study. We talked about um, the two witnesses and we read out of Revelation chapter 11. We've also looked at Zechariah. We've also uh, looked at 1 Corinthians at uh, the reason why we do not believe that it could be Elijah and Moses or Enoch. So moving on, now we are uh, going to talk about the prophecy of Elijah coming before Jesus. So uh, Malachi uh, chapter 4 verse 5 says this. It says, Behold, I will send you, Elijah the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers. lest I come and smite the earth with a curse okay so the let me just say this real quick before i move on the jewish people who do not believe that jesus is the messiah they're still awaiting elijah to come okay and this is one of the reasons why i tell folks that that could be one of the deceptions that the false prophet uses it says in revelation 13 that he'll pull fire down from heaven in the sight of men, well, that's one of the things Elijah did. If you remember, when he had the competition there against the Baal worshippers and the priest of Baal, uh, they built the altar and they poured water all over the altar, and then he gave the Baal worshippers the um, the uh, go ahead to call on their God to burn up this offering that they had, this altar, and Baal never answered, but Elijah. He poured water all over his altar. He called down fire from the Lord. The Lord sent the fire down from heaven and burned the altar up. And then all the bell worshippers, the priests, were uh, killed that day because everyone saw the truth of who the real God of Israel was. And so um, that's just one of those things that um, you can see how the Jewish people might be deceived if the false prophet stands there and does something like that, then points to the Antichrist and says, here's your Messiah. So just one of those things to think about because even the disciples wanted to know the answer to that question about um, the prophecy of Elijah coming. And so we find that in Matthew chapter 17, starting in verse 10. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must come first? And Jesus answered and said to them, Elias truly shall come and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not, but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer then. Then verse 13 is a very important verse. It says, Then the disciples understood that he spake, unto them of John the Baptist. Okay, what? How is John the Baptist Elijah? All right, this is a very important thing that we need to look at. And Luke tells us more information about that. Luke chapter one, uh, starting with verse 13, it says, but the angel said unto him, fear not Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son. And thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness. And many shall rejoice at his birth. And he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Now get this. And he shall go before him in the spirit and the power of Elias. Okay, that's Elijah. To turn the hearts of the father to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist came in the power and the spirit of Elijah. But he wasn't Elijah. The scripture also says that he would turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. This is the fulfillment of that prophecy from Malachi 4.6. So what we can understand about these two witnesses is they will be mortal men who will come in the power and the spirit of Elijah and Moses. Now, they could be two Jewish men. Or they could be a Jewish and a Gentile symbolizing the Jewish Gentile church. That, that's just my opinion. I, we don't have any Bible for that. We don't know for sure because Scripture doesn't give us that information. Okay, But however, there, these will be two. The Bible has said over and over these are two prophets of God. And he will anoint these two and they will be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. When they're killed... The people of the Antichrist, they're going to celebrate, folks. Okay, think about that for a second. And they're going to give each other gifts while these two lay in the streets like dead animals. Okay, so think about that for just a second because we have satellite television now, we have people with cell phones running everywhere, and we have uh, YouTube, we have Twitter, we have all those different things formats that you can show video on. So think about what's going to be going on when that happens. If we put it in the terms that we live in today and you think about this, the entire world will see these two men laying in the street dead. Okay, And they're, they're going to celebrate. So think about that because I can remember, as as many of you probably can as well, when uh, 9-11 happened and the planes crashed into those buildings and those buildings came down. There were people celebrating that America had been hit by a terror attack and they were celebrating and dancing in the streets. And so you think about this. These two guys are going to torment the people that do not know God, okay? People that are not born again, these two men will torment them day and night. And anybody that tries to lay hands on them, they're going to think twice before they ever do it again if they get a second chance. But this Antichrist is going to rise up at a certain time when their ministry is coming to the last times, uh, last days for them, and he'll be able to kill them. And then there's going to be that huge celebration. But here's the, here's the good part. Okay, After three and a half days, Jesus is going to say, come up here. And their enemies will watch as they rise up into the heavens until the cloud hides them from their sight. This is the resurrection of the dead, folks. And I'm going to show you that. Okay, We're going to talk about that in Scripture. But think about that for a minute. Okay, Here's what Scripture says. I'm going to read you the Scripture. Revelation 11, verse 9. And they of the people and the kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their dead bodies to be put in the graves. And they that dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts to one another. Like it's Christmas or something. That's crazy. Because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God enters into them. And they stood up upon their feet and great fear fell upon them which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up to the heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. All right. So this is key information here that we're getting. They ascended up into a cloud as people watch. Now, why is that important? Because Scripture tells us that Jesus is the first fruits of the resurrection. Okay? So if Jesus did this first, shouldn't our resurrection look like His? The answer is yes. And the Scripture gives us this understanding. Okay, so Acts chapter 1, this is after Jesus has been crucified. He's been resurrected. He's been with the apostles. He's been teaching them every day. And he's getting ready to ascend. He's getting ready to leave them. Okay, This is Acts chapter 1, starting in verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud and received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. All right, so notice that they watched Jesus ascend up into the clouds the same way People watch the two witnesses. This is what the rapture is going to look like, folks. Not some mass disappearing uh, that people will watch us go up. They're going to mourn. They're not going to just stand there and all of a sudden we're gone. And if people's just wandering around like some of the popular teachings and popular movies out there are that everybody just disappeared. These folks are going to watch people be raptured up until we're hidden from their sight by the clouds, the great thing about this scripture also tells us that's how Jesus is coming back. So when we see in uh, Matthew twenty four twenty nine through thirty one, we can see that that's this event because it says they look and they see the sign of the Son of Man coming in the clouds with power and great glory, and He sends His angels to gather His elect. So this is that picture, just like those angels told the disciples there the day when Christ ascended up into heaven. They told him, Why are you standing here looking up in the clouds? Because the same Jesus that just was taken up into heaven, he's coming back in the same way. Well, when he does that, he says, Come up here, and these two witnesses rise first, because the Bible tells us that the dead in Christ rise first. Okay? But let's look at another uh, clue that we have here that gives us a little bit of um, an example of the timing. Okay? So we look at the timing of this in 1 Corinthians Chapter 15. You can get an abundance of information from 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. Uh, If you've never read verse 1 through 4, you need to go back and read that. It's the gospel that saves you, okay? But 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Okay, so we're up against another break. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to stop there because I want to let that sink in. But we're going to come back and we're going to go over that little bit again right after the break. So stay with me. And we're going to pop back into that 1 Corinthians 15 when we come back from the break.
4: I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Roberts. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. Please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner.
1: You're listening to an End of the Age replay.
0: Okay, thank you for joining me again uh, here at End of the Age. We were talking about 1 Corinthians uh, Fifteen. When we uh, stop there in verse uh, 23, I want to jump back up to verse 23 because I want you to understand the timing there. It's talking about the resurrection and the timing of that. It says in verse 23 But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, and afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Okay, now if. You hear what that is saying that says that the resurrection happens at the coming of Jesus Christ. Now some can say, well, there's a glorious appearing or, or whatever, and it happened seven years before. But listen to the following verse right after it says, uh, at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall deliver up the kingdom of God or the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule, in all authority and power. Notice the timing of this resurrection, also called the rapture, is at his coming, not some appearing that happened seven years before. This happens when he establishes his kingdom and he puts down the kingdom of men. Okay, so remember that. Just notice what that is saying there. We're going to jump back to Revelation 11 because this goes along exactly with the timing of everything in Revelation 11. So let's look at that again. It continues. We see these two witnesses. They've gone up into to the clouds. And then the scripture says at that same time, the seventh trumpet sounds. And we who are alive and left, this is when we'll be changed to receive our inheritance. So let's look at that scripture. This is Revelation 11:15. And the seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world... Are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Okay, so what happens at the seventh trumpet? The kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. Same thing that just happened in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Starting with verse 16 now, it says, And the four and twenty-four elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces, and they worshipped God, saying... We give thee thanks, O Lord, God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come, because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and has reigned, and the nations were angry, and thy wrath has come. So at the same time that the seven trumpets sounds, we've just seen the two witnesses ascend up into heaven, and now this seven trumpet sounds... And the nations are angry because the wrath of God has come. But also, look at what else comes. The very next thing it says, In the time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that thou should give their reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. Okay, so... What we should understand here is the scripture that says that thou should give reward unto the servants and the prophets and the saints. Notice, prophets are the Old Testament saints, okay? For example, this is in Daniel 12. The Lord tells Daniel this after he's finished the book of Daniel. He's told Daniel to close up the words of that book because it's for the people of the end. But then in Daniel 12:13 he says this. As for you, speaking to Daniel, go your way until the end. You will rest, meaning he will die. Okay, He's going to sleep. That's what death is called a lot of times in the Bible. It says you will rest. And then at the end of days, you will rise again to receive your inheritance set aside for you. All right, I just read you the... uh, NLT version, because I love the way it talks about that, receiving his inheritance. Okay, I like the way that's worded. So what is our inheritance? All right, Romans chapter 8, verse 17 tells us this. It says, "...and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together." So this is telling us in that scripture in Romans that we become heirs to the inheritance. Okay, heirs with Christ to the inheritance. If we are born again, that's what that's talking about. If we've been born again, we are going to receive the inheritance. The inheritance is going to be the kingdom of God. Okay, we're going to get into that a little bit more here in a second. Galatians 3 verse 29 tells us the same thing. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Remember back in uh, 1 Corinthians 15, it said, And those who are Christ at his coming. So if we're his, we're going to receive here, it says, the same promise of Abraham's seed and heirs according to that promise. Okay, Our inheritance, folks, is the kingdom of God. Okay, How do we know that for sure? We just look at Revelation chapter 20. It's talking there, if if you read up a little bit further there, it tells you that John sees the souls of them who have been killed because they refuse to worship the beast or his image or take his mark. And it says that um, the rest of the dead do not rise until after the thousand years are over with. But John sees these who are in that first resurrection are included in this, okay? So Revelation 26 says this to us, Blessed and holy is he that hath part of the first resurrection. On such the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. There's our inheritance, folks. So not only will the people who are killed, which these two witnesses are going to be killed, will they be... Two people that have their head removed, quite possibly that may be the way that they're killed as well. But remember, uh, in Revelation 13, 5 through uh, 7, it tells us that the Antichrist makes war against the saints for 42 months. So he's going to make war against a lot of people during that time of that 42 months. And the Bible tells us also in Revelation 13 that let he who... Uh, will go into captivity, go into captivity, and he who shall be killed by the sword will be killed by the sword. And it says this calls for patience and endurance on the part of the saints. And so during that three and a half years, while that uh, two witnesses are doing their ministry and they're prophesying and doing all the things, the wonderful things that they're going to be able to do, the miracles and the signs and wonders that they'll be doing, the Antichrist will be making war against anybody that will not play ball with the one world government, the one world religion, or the one world economy. So anyone who refuses to take the mark of the beast is going to be killed. But our reward, folks, is the kingdom of heaven. Not only the those that die in Christ, but those who are alive in Christ also. So these two witnesses are included in the dead in Christ, and then we who are alive will be changed from mortal beings to the immortal beings like Elijah and like Enoch. Okay, This is what Revelation 11, uh, 12 through 18 is talking about there. Their ministry will end really with the resurrection and not with their death. Because the enemy, he's going to believe that he's won when these two witnesses lay dead in the streets for three and a half days. But the victory is snatched out of the devil's hand. So let's look at the dead in Christ rising first. Again, we have Scripture that tells us this. And I want to back up the things that I'm saying today with Scripture. I don't want people to think I'm just making this up. I want you to actually see. I've used Scripture to explain everything that I've told you today. That's why I ask you to take a pen and a notepad and write this stuff down because I want you to be able to educate yourself. Never take anything that we say for the word without us using scripture to back that up. Uh, we want you to get in the Bible. We want you to learn. That's why we have Bible studies after every conference we do. We try to sign up Bible studies and get folks to come to the Bible study because we want to show you what the Word of God says about these things. That's why we have um, JPC. That's why we have Into the Age Plus so that you can learn these things on your own. You can go and back up everything we say. You can watch the videos, stop it, look at the Scripture, go back and look it up yourself. So let's look at 1 Thessalonians Uh, Chapter 4, starting with verse 15, it says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. Remember, Daniel was told to rest. So asleep here means dead. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we be ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. We really do need to comfort each other with those words, folks, because we are living in the times when Jesus is getting ready to come back. We're watching so many things happen so quickly. And every day we have to decide what are we going to look up today that correlates with what's happening in the Bible. and, And we can just match it up with prophecy. Things are coming at us so fast. It's hard to keep up with it. So the way we encourage each other nowadays is to make sure that you are born again and to help people understand that we have some hard times coming, but the Lord, our God, is going to take care of us. He's always taking care of his people. He's going to take care of us, and we encourage each other. That's what this show is all about. We want to instill faith and not fear, and that's why we teach you all these things so that you'll be ready. You won't be taken by surprise. You won't be caught like a thief in the night. Okay, You're going to understand when Jesus comes back. So looking at 1 Corinthians 15, again, starting in verse 51. I read this at the beginning, but I want to make sure that you understand this is Bible. Behold, I'll show you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruptible, and this mortal must put on immortality." So when the corruptible shall have put on incorruption and the mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? That's exactly what is going to happen with these two witnesses, folks. They're going to be laying there in the street. People are going to think they're dead. They're going to be celebrating. And much to their surprise, three and a half days later, they're going to see these two men begin to move. They're going to see them stand on their feet and they're going to hear that voice from heaven, the voice of the archangel at that seventh trumpet. We just read all this in Revelation 11 and they're going to rise. Their feet are going to leave the ground and they're going to ascend up into the clouds while their enemies watch on and they begin to mourn and they begin to weep and they begin to get angry. Because they missed the boat. When that seventh trumpet sounds, if your feet don't leave the ground, folks, then you've missed it. If you want to make sure that your feet leave the ground, you need to make sure that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Okay? And we have a free brochure called What Do You Mean Born Again? And you can uh, go online. You can look at endtime.com slash bornagain, and it'll take you to that link. You can read that online. Or if you'd like a copy of that, you can call us here at 1-800-END-TIME. Talk to one of our operators and ask them to send you that free brochure. Or you can call and talk to myself or Vince or Dave or anyone here at this ministry, and we can help you understand what it means to be biblically born again. God bless. We'll see you later. Y'all have a great day.
4: This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME.